so I want to um, kind of give you some, some thoughts to be thinking about for yourself, uh, but to arm you uh, with a quick and ready answer uh, regarding the Christmas season uh, and, and what it's all about. Uh, so Galatians chapter 4, uh, Paul is uh, writing here, says, Even so we, when we were children, thank you Sean, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful, <clears throat> Father, for your word this morning. God, I pray that you would uh, arm us, equip us, uh, God, uh, with a ready heart and a ready mind, uh, Lord, to not lose sight of you in this Christmas season. Uh, Lord, as we say every year, to take advantage of the opportunity to be a witness and to be a testimony. Uh, God, all of all of our culture uh, takes a month or two months even, uh, God, to at least consider uh, Christmas. And God, it's, it's such an, a rich opportunity for us, uh, Lord, to, to be evangelistic. Such a rich opportunity for us to, uh, to be constantly reminded, uh, Lord, that our lives are forever changed. God, our eternity is changed and secure and set. Uh, God, the blessings and the gifts that you give us daily, uh, Lord, uh, God, the blessings from your hand, uh, Lord, and the, just the presence of your face, uh, God, uh, they all are available to us because of this Christmas day, uh, God, and so turn our eyes and our minds towards that this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I want to share with you and forgive me. Uh, I've got a frog in my throat, I reckon. Uh, jumped up in there, so y'all bear with me. Uh, I want to preach to you, first of all, regarding the win of Christmas. Regarding the win of Christmas. Paul says to the church in Galatia, uh, there in Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of time has, had come. You see that. <clears throat> when the fullness of time had come. So there is a win of Christmas that is absolutely important. Christmas is not the story, or excuse me, Christmas is the story of when, not a feeling or a spirit, all right? And I'm not trying to beat up, uh, you know, y'all would have to help me if I try to beat up Hallmark Christmas movies right here from the pulpit, right? My wife would just tackle me uh, right here uh, in front of everybody. Uh, but uh, Christmas is not, and Chris, Chris, far more scary than my wife. He's giving me a stink eye right now. Chris is, uh, Chris, Christmas is not a feeling or a spirit. Christmas is not a feeling or a spirit. I get the sentimentality of that. I get the comfort of that. I get the idea behind that, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, in mind of this truth, just talking to Miss Ruby this morning, I wanted to be sure that I try to choose my words carefully uh, because 
I enjoy the feeling around Christmas, right? I'm okay with that. Uh, every, every time I try to preach on, on the, uh, the strict singularity of Christ in Christmas, I, I feel like Chris looks at me like I'm a Grinch or a Scrooge. I'm not, I promise, I promise. Chris is shaking his head, no, preacher, I'm, you're good, you're good. Christmas is not a feeling or a spirit. It's easy to get caught up in that. Christmas is the story of when. When. All the, story, all the songs about Christmas, it's Christmas time in the city, uh, which always makes me feel bad for those that are in the country. I don't know what that song is about. Some of you are simply having a wonderful Christmas time, which is one of my favorite songs. And then the most ridiculous Christmas line I believe ever sung has to be by the Beach Boys where they say, Christmas comes this time each year. I say, always listen out and go, thanks, Beach Boys. Christmas comes this time each year. How helpful is that? We really appreciate that. <clears throat> when I talk about the time of Christmas, I want us to acknowledge the acknowledgement of when tells us that God intervened into real time. That's what Christmas is about. That's what it means when the fullness of time had come. He's relaying to us that there was a time and place in real live human history, just as real as the time and place of your birth, there was a time and place of the real birth of the man Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what Christmas is about. You know, people don't celebrate my birthday like it's a feeling, right? Or it's just a, uh, you know, a joyful, uh, you know, kind of essence, right? And, and what, is, what is Aaron's birthday to you? Well, that's ridiculous, right? Christmas is about the birth, the intervention of God into human history in the birth of the man the real, historically proven individual, Jesus of Nazareth. And Christmas is a recognition of that day, of his birthday. So let's celebrate the win of Christmas. A lot of uh, the sermon this morning will be regarding the win of Christmas until we move into the why of Christmas. But the win of Christmas. I want you, as you move into Christmas, the Christmas season, not assume that everyone has heard and understands the true history of Christmas. I want you to not assume as you move through the next month that everyone around you has heard, first of all, or even understands the real history of Christmas. You know, we talk about the reason for the season. We talk about the true meaning of Christmas. What about the true, real history of Christmas? The actuality of Christmas. Timing, we know, is everything. I don't know what got into me in this preparation, but you can be in the right place, but at the wrong time. We would all love to put time in a bottle, but does anybody really know what time it is, and does anybody really care about time? Right? Only a few of you are, are with me on this. Time is of the essence. Time is of utmost importance. If we remove the time factor... From the birth of Christ, we remove it from reality into this religious other. Right? There's a reality to the time of 
Jesus Christ. I'm going to blow through these quickly because this is not the point, but it is a point. Number one, there, is, there was expectancy in the time of Christ. You could look at the fullness of time and you could look at it from man's perspective, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's the expectancy that the Jews were looking for a Messiah. The Jews were looking for the Messiah. The, the expected time had come. There was security in the, in the time that Jesus was born. Uh, the Pax Romana had established peace and the Roman roadways provided ease of transportation. There was clarity. The Greek language was, was widespread and was able to cross great many boundaries. Right? <clears throat> Lastly, futility. Futility had begun to set in amongst the then known world. The two examples I want to take you to biblically are Pilate as he looks at Jesus and he says, What is truth? What is truth? Isn't, there's great futility there. There's a man there who has nothing to believe in. There's a man there who believes there is nothing to believe in. There's a man that is helpless and that is hopeless. And he says, what is truth, sir? Speaking to Jesus. You want to speak about truth? He thinks this is true and he thinks that is true and they think that is true. What is truth? There is, there is no truth. There's futility in that. I'd also take you to Paul in Acts 17 as he deals uh, with a group of individuals who had made a God, they had made up a God to every possible thing and entity that they could think of. And so after that, they then decided, well, we'll make one more to the unknown God. Futility in trying to worship and serve all the different created things and to imagine their own gods and their own answers to the great whole that is within every man, which is, who am I? Where did I come from? Who made me? Where am I headed? What answers this sense of guilt within me? What can make me whole again? So they resurrected, or excuse me, they erected a statue just to the unknown one, just to try to cover all their bases. How futile. I want to point you to the win of Christmas according to. Uh, the three, I don't have Mark in here, but John, Matthew, and Luke. Uh, the three different narratives regarding when Christ was born. John 1.1 1, 1 speaks about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He continues in that chapter, and in verse 14, he makes it very plain who he's talking about. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you talk about the win of Christmas and you talk about the birth of Jesus, you need to understand that the win of Jesus is that he always has been. Right? The word who became flesh, he, that same word, was in the beginning. And John says in there that all things were made by him. He is the creator of all things. He is the uncaused cause of all things. So when you think of the win of Christmas Day, consider that the individual, Jesus, born on Christmas Day, that wasn't the beginning of his existence. Jesus is the pre-existent creator. In Galatians chapter 4 there it says, sent. God sent him. You and I were just born here, right? Anybody can remember anything before they were born? I don't want to actually necessarily open up that door, but I think we're all sane in here. I don't remember anything that happened to me before I was born. Right? 
Jesus Christ, not so. Jesus Christ talked regularly about all the things that he knew before he was born into this earth because he always had been. He had existed even before the world was created in love with the Father, in relationship with the Father, receiving glory from his created beings. He comes, steps into time and tells us, hey, I am sent by the Father. I'm the only one that can tell you about God because I'm the only one that's seen Him. When did you see Him? Not in, his, not in his teens, not in his 20s, not in his 30s. He saw Him before He was sent to earth. Right? He says, I can tell you about heaven. I come from there. I can tell you about God. I come from God. He is the sent one. His life, His Existence did not begin in Bethlehem, but his humanity did. We sing, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Right? And I could have pulled several different of our Christmas hymns that, that speak of the deity of Christ, that speak of the, the one in the manger who was God already, sent from God. Adored by heaven. So consider that win, his eternalness. The second win I want you to consider is in Matthew 1.18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. He said, let me tell you about the birth of Jesus. Now, after Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they had come together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Campbell stood right here and sang about the virgin's womb. There's an importance to the time and the timing. You see the timing in this verse. After and before, during this narrow space of time. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. You want a sign of the Messiah, right? The Jews were looking for the Messiah. You want a sign of the Messiah? Isaiah said, look for a woman who's never known a man who's going to get pregnant. That's a pretty good sign. That's a pretty strong sign, isn't it? Now, how many of us would be set and ready to believe that sign? But how many of us like Jesus was, is born of an individual claiming that. Right? Just that in itself adds to the signs of Jesus Christ. The prophecy fulfilled and the deity of Jesus is built on this necessity. The deity of Christ, the timing of this conception, is absolutely necessary for the fulfillment of prophecy... And for what the Bible teaches us regarding our sin nature. Not born of a man. Conceived of the Holy Spirit. Born sinless. Born without that sin nature that you and I are born with and we wrestle with and will continue to wrestle with until the day we either die or Jesus Christ calls us to heaven. The deity of Christ, the virgin birth, is absolutely a necessity in understanding all the winds and whys of Christmas and in receiving the promises and the gifts that we're going to see here at the end of 
our section of scripture this morning. We sing, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. We all know the song. Continuing on to Luke's gospel, looking at the win of Christmas, Luke 2, 6. So, so it was that while they were there, meaning Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Joseph and Mary there living in Nazareth. The census comes, right? If you've watched Charlie Brown, you know, you've heard about the tax that was made. And they had to travel to Bethlehem. Joseph and his wife, who was great with child. And while they were there in that small scope of time, whereas the majority of their lives were spent in Nazareth, there's a small scope and measure of time when the time was right for Christ to be born. The days were completed that, she, that he would be born in Bethlehem. Thus fulfilling the prophet Micah 5.2 of the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel whose goings forth are, are of old from everlasting. Born on the trip to Bethlehem, Jesus' physical birth fulfilled prophecy, but the, but the reality of the timing of his birth points to his humanity. Humanity. Do not allow yourselves to think of Jesus as some floating other as he walks through life. Do not allow yourself to separate him from the reality of the persecutions and the sufferings that he faced. Do not allow yourself to separate Mary from the sufferings that she would go through as the, as the mother of Jesus. Right? Sometimes we want to project on her, well, she's the mother of Jesus and she knows she's living in Bible story times. and like We wouldn't express it that way, but that's, that's how our minds work, don't they? Let's not separate the reality that God, Jesus, the Word, creator of all things, glorified in heaven, was sent to earth by the Father, willingly received the mission to come to earth for us, and when the fullness of time had come, He, the man Jesus, was born through Mary in a stable in Bethlehem. Reality, deity, humanity. Points towards his humanity. We sing Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hell the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Pleased as man with men to dwell. It would be more degrading for you as a human to be born as a dog. To dwell and live among dogs. It would be more, it, it, excuse me, it, it was more degrading for God of heaven to be born as a human than it would be for you to be born as a dog. Right? Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, God with us, our Emmanuel. There in Galatians chapter 4, you see he was born of woman, born under the law. 
born under the law. The law or religion without Jesus brings a weighted helplessness, hopelessness, emptiness, vanity. Right? For us to try to fulfill the law, for us to try to tackle the law, for us to try to bear the burden of our own shortcomings before God. Hopeless. We stand helpless. One pastor put it this way that stuck with me. The law is a mirror that shows us our dirty faces, but you can't wash your face with a mirror. You can't wash your face with a mirror. You can wash your face in a mirror. But you don't wash your face with a mirror. The law was the mirror to show us as we look at ourselves in the mirror of God's law, as we look at ourselves under the light of who He is, we see ourselves as we are, which is sinners before a holy God. Helpless, hopeless, under His law. However, he came, why? So we have the wins, the why, in order to redeem us. In order that he might redeem us. When did he come? Why did he come? He come that he might redeem us. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. As we stand before the mirror that shows us our dirtiness, our sinfulness, Jesus Christ comes with His own shed blood, with a free offering to all who will receive, no matter how good, or excuse me, no matter how bad we think we are, His blood overcomes. And a pardon we can receive because of the man Jesus when he was born and why he was born. Alistair Begg wrote this, and this is to try to summarize this idea of born of woman under the law in order to redeem us. Listen to what he says. If God must save, then the Savior must be God. If man must bear the punishment because man sinned, then the Savior must be man. If the man who bears the punishment for sin must be sinless, then who could meet these qualifications? Do you see the very narrow sliver of individual that we're looking for that becomes so singular that it narrows all the way down from all humanity, everyone who has ever been born? From Adam and Eve all the way to the last baby to step in to to time right now. There's only one individual that could save because he was God. That could bear the weight of sin as man and that was sinless as a man. Both God, man, and sinless. In order that he might redeem us. Jesus Christ is uniquely sent He's uniquely sinless, and He's uniquely alive. You know, that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Jesus Christ, though He faced death, He resurrected from the dead, and He ascended into heaven, and He sits alive right now beside 
the Father, making intercession for us, departing gifts unto us, watching out for us, sending His Spirit to us. So many think that Jesus has come to claim, to make a claim against their debt, so they shut Him out. I think that's the common idea about Jesus and God and church and religion and Christians is that God comes to make a claim on a debt that we can't pay. And so we shut him out. But the reality is that Jesus came already. Jesus came. That Christmas day, Jesus came. That Christmas day, the Messiah came. That Christmas day, the Savior came. The God-man was born into time, lived His life sinless and perfect, went to the cross for us, conquered death, conquered sin, conquered uh, 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 the grave, and offered to us all along the way, if you'll just believe. If you'll just believe. If you'll just believe. He came to pay our debt and now comes to proclaim the debt paid and greater still offer adoption into his family. The next verse talks about how the Spirit, His Spirit, moves within us so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. All three members of the Trinity are applied here in creating in us a most intimate, dependent relationship ever heard. For those of you that are children of God, it's the sweetest relationship in your life. It's the most intimate relationship in your life. It's the most dependent relationship you have in your life. I depend on my wife. My relationship with her is more intimate than any other individual on planet earth. But my Savior knows me more dearly than she does. And my Savior sustains me more even than she does. That's our most intimate, dependent relationship ever heard. We think that he comes as a tax collector, but he comes offering adoption. The story of Christmas is the story of your adoption. The story of Christmas is the story of not only your adoption, but you becoming an heir with Christ. Jesus came at just the right time, lovingly and sacrificially, in order to move us from slaves Missed the whole word there. From slaves to sons with an inheritance unimaginable. That's the when and the why of Christmas. That Jesus, who has always been, was sent. Born sinless of a virgin. Born fully man. Under the law. In order to redeem us. God must save, man must bear the punishment. 
And that man must be sinless. That's Jesus Christ. Not just to wipe our debt clean and leave us there. But in order to make us sons and daughters. In order to give us a father. And a relationship with that father. To be able to call on him. To be able to boldly go and cry out to him. And and as that interpretation, Abba, is say, Daddy, Daddy. That's sweet. That is precious. And that's why Jesus came. Let's all stand, if you would, heads bowed and eyes closed. Wendy plays a verse or two of invitation. If that's new to you, I pray that you would seek it out. I pray that you would look for the truth and allow it to take root in your heart. The offer is there for anyone to come and receive. To remove the weight of sin and guilt. To be offered a full inheritance of eternal life and a relationship with God. She plays a verse or two of invitation. I just allow you to pray. Ask God how you can be a witness, be a testimony. To take the simple message that Christmas is about when Jesus was born and that He came to redeem us and give us a relationship with our Heavenly Father.